Good evening. It is Across the Tracks. Steve. And I'm Wayne, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Across the Tracks podcast. Glad to be here for another fun-filled Sunday night, and how was your week, my friend? Pretty good. Not bad at all. Just uh, do what I normally do, you know, hang out, wash cars, cut grass, (laughs) you know, take naps in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, one thing that was kind of exciting is that right before we came on the air, I had a Zoom call with two of my Coast Guard buddies that I I, uh, served with down in Texas. And uh, we had a nice, uh, probably 50-minute conversation. We hadn't, hadn't seen these guys since the late 70s. Man. Yeah, I hadn't seen one of them since 1977. And so, you know, one lives in Idaho, the other lives in uh, Virginia. And we've kind of been in contact with each other a little bit, you know, a little bit at time. So I said, well, let me put together a Zoom call. And um, I hooked it up and we hadn't seen each other and we had a nice little conversation Matter of fact, planning on having a reunion someplace in uh, maybe in Florida in the early early part of the year, maybe. So wow, awesome, that's awesome. good good connection. That that was probably the most exciting thing that's, that's <laughs> going on to make some reconnection with some some uh, guys that I served with in the military. Outstanding. How Outstanding. about you, man? How about you? They still rolling along, uh, still working remotely. I worked remotely last week. And probably returning back to the office tomorrow, uh, but nothing exciting. Um, it's pretty quiet. No yard work this week and uh, just chilling, just chilling and uh, catching up on some reading. Picked up a couple of new books this week, uh, some things I've been wanting to to buy. So I picked up a couple of new books. So I've got so many books with uh, bookmarks in them of, <laughs> from <these> various <laughs> various locations in the books, but always like a good read. And uh, so... Uh, that's what I did, uh, you know, just chilling, relaxing, and threw a few things on the grill today. So it's all good, my friend. It's all yeah, good. Good, good. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, all right. Well, you know, we're working on, gosh, getting close to our um, 50th podcast here, wow. man. Wow. And uh, we just keep rolling. We we continue to have fun, and we're just gonna we're just uh, gonna move forward. Yeah, you know, our topics yeah. are you know here, neither here nor there. We. We come across an idea and say, hey, let's go for it. And then we uh, plan a little bit and then we just do it. So uh, that's the way Across the Tracks podcast is. And uh, we're going to move forward with uh, another exciting topic tonight. And we're going to take it as we go. So this topic kind of that we're going to talk about tonight is kind of a response to some of our friends and some of the uh, things that are going on in the nation, in the country, in our cities and states today. And that is Black Lives Matter. Well, the, the concept of Black Lives Matter is that, you know, black folks have been catching hell for all this, these centuries and our lives should be um, justified. However, this is not really the topic. However, the backlash to that is when someone wants to neglect, negate, or to dismiss your concerns, they come up with the idea that, well, it shouldn't just be Black Lives Matters. It should be all lives matter, as if we're leaving them out. Well, they've always been in control, but we're not leaving them out. So our topic tonight is going to deal with all lives matter, except when, and then we'll talk about some things that privilege has been taking place in this country for some folks, and they don't even realize that they don't think in those terms, but their lives has mattered, and everybody else's has been put on the back burner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on that, my friend? No, I agree, man. I you you see it. You see it. As a matter of fact, uh, they they had to pin down your former governor, 
here, I think it was a week or so ago, he refused the 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 guy who was interviewing him said, hey, you know, will, will you acknowledge that black lives matter? And he went straight to, well, all lives matter. <laughs> you know, <what> I, mean? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Right. And and we're not dismissing. I, I think we all agree that all lives are precious. We agree with that. But black folks have been catching some serious hell, man, down through the history of this country. And um, that needs to be highlighted. And so, again, like you say, people want to negate that fact that they don't want to share. They refuse to see your concern about how your life, how you feel about your life. So the standard thing is go to, well, you know, come on, man, all lives matter. Eh, yeah, whatever, man. You know, <laughs> uh, so I, I agree with you. I think um, I think we've got a few things to discuss tonight uh, that, yeah, all lives do matter except for. And uh, and that's what we're going to highlight tonight. Yeah. So uh, I think it's going to be good. And I'm sure we may get some feedback, maybe positive, might be negative. But that's what we're here for. And we can take it as well as we can dish it out. So it's all good. Absolutely. It's absolutely. All good. But before we start with that, before we start with that uh, topic or subject uh, matter, uh, we have a, a quick some quick memorials to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Some, some people that we've lost this past week. There's a couple absolutely. that we want to mention. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, we want to talk about them uh, uh, here briefly. Yeah. Uh, the first person is Sharon Page and the other person is Charlie Daniels. Absolutely. And uh, what what are your thoughts on either of these individuals, Wayne? Well, um, we'll, we'll start with Sharon Page first. Uh, Sharon Page, and, and and if a lot of people may not know who she is, right? Uh, but Sharon Page, she was a vocalist on the Philadelphia International label. Uh, she had a couple of hits uh, on her own, but Sharon Page is well known for a duet she did with Teddy Pendergrass uh, called um, "I." Um, uh, what is the name of that track? I, I uh, hope that we could be together well, soon. You know how to make me feel so good. That was the one she okay. did with Pendergrass. Okay. And the song that continues to stand the test of time, yep. she did with Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Blue Notes, right, right. Is I hope that we can be together soon. Yeah. And uh, that song still stands the test of time. Actually, a lot of uh, radio stations, uh, especially R&B stations, in lieu of COVID-19, a lot of stations are playing that song right. because people can visit their family and whatnot. So that song is still standing the test of time. And um, so mm-hmm. Sharon Page passed earlier this week, uh, but a great uh, female vocalist from the 70s. And again, th- that one song, it, it it will stand. And I listen to it. It pops up on the rotation quite often. <laughs> yeah. And I like, wow, it's a great song. And you know, uh, it- I, I had to go back through and listen to it again myself because yeah. it is unique because Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes didn't have too many female no. uh, uh, vocalists to go with them. And this song, I mean, everybody, you can take this song today and put it out there for yep. someone that's never heard of Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, and they're yep. going to like that song. Absolutely. Yeah, her vocals are unique in the fact that it plays so well with Teddy Pendergrass's yep. uh, uh, voice that goes along with Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Yep, yep. And uh, I think back in the, might have been the late 80s, might have been the 90s, early 90s, uh, Mickey Howard and Joe LaVert did a remake of that. And their version is their version's pretty good, too. But I'm old school, and I'm always going <laughs> to lean with uh, with Harold Melvin on the Blue Notes and Sharon Page. Yeah, yeah. So we we want to remember Sharon Page. Uh, rest rest in peace. Rest in power. The uh, the next gentleman, and um, you know, I think every music genre has uh, someone who gets a moniker because of their status in that field. James Brown was the Godfather of Soul. Aretha was the Queen of Soul. Uh, Mary J. Blige is the queen of hip hop soul. You know, everybody's got a moniker. But if you want to talk about who's the godfather of Southern rock, it has to be Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels. yeah. Charlie Daniels. Yeah. And his sound, um, you know, spawned groups like Leonard Skinner, uh, Marshall Tucker Band, 38 Special, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. And he's well known uh, for a song 
which I, I have it on my iPod, man. I'm, I'm dating myself. Yes, that's my <laughs> But I have uh, The Devil Went Down, Down to Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> Every rotation yep. on the iPod. I played yep. it probably two or three times last week after um, heard that he passed. Yep. You know, and uh, that song is a classic, man. Um, you know, and it, it talks about a, 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 a fiddle duel between the devil and a boy named Johnny. <laughs> and yeah. a lot, you listen to the story, you're like, you're mesmerized, you know, and uh, but legend. And um, there's there's another track that he's not me. He's I, I, I know this track because I used to listen to it. I think it was out when we were in high school. It's called The Uneasy Rider. Do you remember mm-hmm. the Uneasy Rider? I, I remember the name, <laughs> but I don't remember the, the, the song itself right at the top uh, of my head. Yeah, the Uneasy Rider, he, he doesn't well, he, he doesn't really sing. He talks. And the Uneasy Rider is is the song that starts out. I was taking a trip out to LA, cruising down the uh, cruising down the highway in my Chevrolet, token on a number and digging on the rim. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the uneasy rider. Yeah. And so, uh, classics, <laughs> classics by Charlie Daniels, Charlie Daniels band. So, again, a Hall Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. I felt he should have been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a lot sooner than he did, which right. is one reason why I cannot stand the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, they seem to don't give people their just dues when they should get them. And so he was inducted um, in the t- early 2000s. But I mean, you know, he should have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a lot sooner than that. So what's your thoughts on uh, Charlie Daniels, Charlie Daniels band? You know, the, the thing that you remember about Charlie Daniels is that he always played the fiddle. And uh, he had the long, he had the cowboy hat on and he had the beard, yep. you know, and his music was fast. It was quick, but it was something that you could pat your foot to. Right. <laughs> and it was it was accepted. It was it would it would go into pop. It would go yeah. into country. OK, it would go into a little bit of R&B in, in, in some of his songs. But uh, Charlie Daniels was a mainstay. I mean, when we were coming up through school, I mean, everybody knew Charlie Daniels. You know, yeah. it's yeah. it's amazing that, you know, I have some friends here in Indianapolis that, you know, they only listen to jazz or they only listen to R&B and they only listen to this. And I will play something. They'll come over to the house and I'll play. I just have my songs on a, a, a shuffle. Right, and right. it'll play anything from rock to uh, classic jazz to country and western. It'll play just yeah, about anything. Yeah. And he goes, "Man, you listen to everything, don't you?" And I go, "Yeah." And, and Charlie Daniels, you know, <laughs> the devil came home to Georgia was one that popped up. He goes, "You really listen to this?" I went, well, "Yeah." Yeah, sir. He goes, he goes, "How can you listen to this?" I says, "Because <laughs> I listened to it growing up." Right. So that that's part of it. And uh, you know, I, I think overall, Charlie, Charlie Daniels opened up opened up the country genre to other people. Yep. yep. You know, because you think about Lenny Kravitz, you know, and, and Paul Jackson, they they did a little they did a little country as well. Yeah. Yep. You know, so yeah, Charlie Daniels yep. was uh, uh, should and belongs in the hall of, uh, rock and roll yeah. hall of fame yeah yeah he, he he's in there it's just it's like come on man you this dude should have been in there a long time ago yeah and uh, it's it's why like every year they come out with like okay who's getting um nominated for the rock and roll hall of fame and you look at like okay how come this group and you find out it's like this group isn't in the rock and roll hall of fame it's like what are these people thinking about yeah you know, and so I, I I don't even pay attention to them anymore. And when I saw that he was inducted in the early 2000s, I'm like, are you shitting me? I mean, yeah. Charlie Daniels, you know, so and I think, man, I want to go back to what you said. We have we, we have to thank uh, W.I.E.L. for yep, you're right. for, for for giving us the broad musical taste that we have, uh, because W.I.E.L., I think it was A.M., what? 1400, 1400, 1400, AM 1400. And uh, WIL played everything, man. And so it broadened our musical taste. And so um, I'm I'm just as comfortable listening to Charlie Daniels as I am with Childish Gambino. So it's all good, man. It's all (laughs) good. And, uh, you know, rest in peace, rest in power to Mr. Charlie Daniels and the, you know, the Charlie Daniels band. That music will stand the test of time, man. And again, he he's he's got. 
people that are continuing that genre, like the Marshall Tucker Band, 38 Special, uh, the Allman Brothers, I think, oh, sort yeah, of fell man. into that category with yep. the, with their sound, yep. and of Leonard Skinner, of course. So, um, gone but not forgotten, Charlie Daniels. And Sharon Page. Yes, and Sharon Page. All right, all right. That's our memorial for this week. I think yeah. that's justified. And um, our next topic, we want to go ahead and jump right into it. And that is all lives matter except for when. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, (laughs) let's look at the um, let's go back to the 18th century and talk about when all lives matter except when the writers of the Declaration of Independence the key writer of the Declaration of Independence was Thomas Jefferson. And all lives mattered except when he felt that he needed to eliminate slaves from ever owning property because they were property. Now, in a previous podcast, Wayne, we talked about uh, Thomas Jefferson borrowing yeah, maybe I should say plagiarizing uh, the English philosopher John Locke's uh, some of his um, works. And John Locke wrote in his in his philosophy that people have unalienable rights, which are life, liberty, and property. Well, Jefferson took the idea and said, you know. We're going to use that. That is awesome. That is great. Fantastic. However, we can't use property because you can't allow black folks to own property because he had slaves. George Washington had slaves. Other people had slaves. And if you allow them to own property, that makes them probably equals. And at that time, also, in order to vote in the United States of America at the time, you had to have a prop, you had to own property. So therefore, all lives matters, except if you don't own property and or if you are a slave. So for all the white men in the country, all lives was great. Their lives were perfect. They could vote, they could own property, they could own slaves, they could um, travel from place to place with unrestricted, except when, of course, when the war was going on, they couldn't do that. But all lives matter. Black folks were left out. Other minorities were left out. Yep. Yep. It... uh... You know, when when Jefferson and some of the other founders, you know, they were trying to come up with, uh, you know, creating the legislative branch of the government, they had to figure out how to account for everybody. So this this flows into this as well. So they had to figure out how to account for everybody. So some people said, eh, let's don't count the slaves. Some people said, yeah, we need to count them. So what they did was they sort of met in the middle. And said that uh, each slave would count would count as three fifths of a person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? Three fifths of a person. So in that regard, all lives don't really matter because you view this individual that you own, you don't even consider them a whole person. I mean, I, yeah. Uh, so great point. All lives matter except for, and this is a this is a good example of that. Granted, we went back a little bit to 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 uh, make that example, but it's it's it holds water. It it holds merit uh, that a slave wasn't even a person. Their lives really meant nothing uh, to the founding fathers. So. Yeah, and, and the other thing that goes along with that is that you know when we had our government as they were setting up the constitution is what you're talking about is that part of the constitution says that there is going to be a census every 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so therefore you count every person in the country 
so that you can figure out how to create representatives from the various states. And so in order to uh, count slaves, you had in order to get votes, you had to figure out how do we the southern states had to figure out, well, we want voting rights. We don't want to be controlled by the North because most of the North had a lot of larger the population. So we'll count slaves as three fifths of a person. <laughs> they can't vote, but that's going to give us some of the representation in our new government that uh, they're creating in 1787. OK, now, 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 you know, I'm a history teacher. So, right, right. you know, what goes around comes around. You know, the, the first government that we we got after uh, we chose after we gained our independence and got our um, independence in 1781 after the Battle of Yorktown and all that was called the Articles of Confederation, which was a loose band of states that didn't have any central government. The states controlled everything. OK, and so that didn't work out because. You know, there were some crazy people out in upstate New York and Pennsylvania that were trying to rebel. And, you know, George Washington threatened to go and get rid of those guys. So it didn't work out. So they were changing to the Constitution. And that's where they were talking about the census. And the census said that we have to count everybody in this country. Now, this is my history, history part. The current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue has taken us back to the Articles of Confederation because he doesn't want the federal government to do shit. Okay, mm -hmm. states, COVA, you have to do that. We're not doing, the federal government's not doing anything. Uh, New York, you have to figure out how to take care of your people. You have to come up with the PPE mask. You have to come up with testing. Uh, Georgia, you have to come up with testing. You know, Indiana, you have to come up with testing. Uh, Colorado, you have to come up with all these things. You're on your own. The federal government's not going to do anything for you. That's going back to the 1870s. That thinking goes back to then, and I'm sure the current occupant isn't smart enough to realize that we're reliving the, <laughs> the Articles of Confederation again, where the states are out on their own and the federal government's not doing a damn thing for anybody. But he's a so, stable genius, man. He's a stable <laughs> yeah, genius. Stable. He should, he should be in the stable because he's a horse's ass. <laughs> to be honest. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah. Uh, all lives matter except for when it comes to representation in our government. Yep. You know, you slaves are slaves. Sorry. <laughs> we're, right. on, we're, only, we're only counting you so those white folks can vote in our national government. You're yep. still a slave. You still don't have no rights. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. That's, that's example one. The, the next example we want to talk about is all lives matter except when is when we talk about the five civilized tribes, and that is um, the Creek, the Chickasaw, the Choctaw, uh, the Seminole, and I can't think of the other uh, tribe that was down in the southeastern part of the country. Shawnee? Is it Shawnee? Nah, maybe so, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm just going off the top of my head right now. But anyway, uh, what happened is that the Native Americans who lived in Tennessee and, and Kentucky and Georgia and Alabama, all those southeastern states, owned that land. They, they lived on that land. However... They were sitting on land that was prime for the production of cotton. So what made America great? Cotton back then. King cotton. King cotton. I, I even hate to use the <laughs> term great with this guy that's in at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue right now. What made America prosper? at that point in time was cotton yep. and cotton production in the United States, believe it or not, 
um, we were able to produce so much cotton that we were able to flood the market with cotton because it was those southeastern states were perfect for the production of it, for growing it. So the thing that the governments had to do was to get those Native Americans off that land so that they could bring slaves in, they could produce more cotton and sell cotton around the world and make a lot of people rich. And then once that started, then you had industries starting to develop in the Northeast. So all that cotton production was going to the Northeast and you're starting to have cotton uh, clothing industry up up north in New York and Pennsylvania and, and so on. So it all kind of worked together. But the biggest thing is that the people that produced that, the people that was the manual labor for that were the slaves. Yep, yep. Absolutely. They produced, they were the ones responsible for, you know, producing the cotton, actually doing the manual labor for it, which made their masters, those states, all rich, and they got nothing in return. Yep, yep. You're absolutely right. And uh, I, before before we digress a bit, um, so the five original tribes, I think you mentioned uh, Cherokee, Choctaw, Creek, Chickasaw and Seminole. Those are the five uh, original tribes. Okay. Yeah. So um, what I wanted to, to to piggyback on that was, I think it's dis it's it's disgusting what this country did to the Native Americans, man. If you if you ever get a chance to come back out out west here, <clears throat> excuse me, come back out west to Colorado, and go down to the Four Corners area. Um, of the state, uh, which is down uh, on the Navajo uh, reservation. If you look at the land that this country gave to some of the Native American tribes, man, you, that land is pathetic. Yeah, it's pathetic. And uh, it's 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 just disgusting, man, when you see, you know, what this country did uh, to those tribes and still doing to those tribes. Um, and this will segue again, I think, uh, if you want to your next topic to be the um, the Fort Laramie Treaty uh, that the government made with the Lakota people. Yeah. Um, but it's, Ooh. you know, this country has a history of taking advantage of people, man. I mean, seriously, taking advantage of people, you know. So, again, another case where all lives matter except for. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and on top of that, Wayne, the the. Uh, Native Americans took the state of Georgia to court, took them all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Native Americans that they can stay on their land. Yep, yep. And then uh, Andrew Jackson decided that I don't give a damn about what the Supreme Court does. I'm going to force these Native Americans out of the southeastern part yeah. of the United States and yeah. force them on a uh, uh, force them on a march to go to the Oklahoma Territory. Yep. Yep. March them, you know, from all over the southeast, uh, which became known as the Trail of Tears, where uh, several thousand died along this along this path. And hell, some of the paths went through Kentucky, man. Yep. Yep. Yeah, went through, some yeah. of it uh, went right through Hopkinsville on their way out to Oklahoma. Yeah. And the government said, we're going to send you out here. We're going to take your land and we're going to send you out here and you can stay here as long as the grass is green and the rivers flow. Yep. Yep. This is your yep. territory. Now, it was crap territory. Yep. Very. But <laughs> but but this is where your your families can go. All lives matters, except when we want that land and you're in a in the way of our progress of becoming rich. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's it's it, we, we were just we were just blown away, man. When we, were, we went down and, you know, you're when you're down in four corners, you're actually on the Navajo reservations portions of it. They let you come on there and you're looking around. It's like, who the hell can grow anything down here? I mean, the land is desolate. Yeah. It's desolate, man, and uh, this is this is what this country did um, to two people that were here long before you know anybody uh, from the European continent did, uh, decided to show up here. These people were here, 
And then we, um, you know, screwed them over big time and stuck them out on, you know, land that's, you know, for the most part is, is the crappiest uh, land you can ever you can imagine, man. So, yeah. So those lies didn't matter. Nope. Because their agenda was to make as much money as they can to build up the land, to build up the things. And there was another term that we may have talked about a little bit before, and that is the idea of manifest destiny. Yep. And that is expanding from the Mississippi all the way across to the West Coast. And anything, all that land in between is, as Americans begin to move out from the East, East Coast, move into the Midwest, and then start to move from the Midwest out West. Yep. Well, all lives matter when you lived in Indiana and you wanted to go out to Colorado. You know, but all those Native American tribes in the way, they had to get out of the way. That's right. And if we couldn't get them out of the way, we're going to kick the crap out of them and take their land anyway. Yep. We're going to we're going to take away their livelihoods. We're going to kill all the buffalo so they can starve. Yeah. Take all yep. the meat, take all the clothing, take all this stuff, take their land away from them. But all lives matter, right? Yep. Just all saying. lives matter. All lives matter except except <laughs> in the Fort Laramie Treaty that happened in 1868. What what's going on with that, man? Well, the government made a treaty with the Lakota people, which is if you're familiar with the Lakota people, the Black Hills, yep, of South Dakota, that that land belonged to the Lakota people. But the U.S. government reneged on the treaty. They've not only reneged once, they reneged twice, I think. <laughs> they reneged, and uh, the Lakota people are still like, you know, this is our land. You made a deal with us. And, of course, the country's not honoring that. They they want the land. It's where Mount Rushmore stands. Uh, it's where the current occupant was, um, what, last week? Fourth, was it Fourth of July? Fourth of July. Uh, and you had protesters out there because, hey, you know, this is our land. You know, you made a treaty with us back in the, what was it, 1800? 1868. 1868, this treaty. And, uh, you know, you've reneged on us, not once, but twice. And so uh, just another example of, you know, all lives matter, except when you want that land and you basically kick people to the curb um, because you have another agenda. So another example. Another yeah, and, and and the current occupant, you know, even then, the the second treaty was like in 1980, yep, yep. in which they taken the, taken the land that they had granted to the Lakota and even made it uh, smaller. They 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 made it smaller, and so when the current occupant went out there on the Fourth of July, uh, he was violating the treaty in 19. 19- that they set up in 1980 <laughs> yep. because the Lakota people says that you have to have our permission to come here. Right. And right. they did not give him permission to come here. Right. So, and, and, and the other thing is that they hadn't shut off any fireworks or anything at Mount Rushmore for like a decade and a half. Yeah. It's, yeah. Quite a while. Yeah. Quite a while. And the Lakota, the Lakota people said that we don't want you here. And guess what? He went there anyway. So did their lives matter? Did their thoughts matter? Nope. Were their concerns met? Nope. Hell no, because the current occupant, you know, who was a firm believer and a lover of Andrew Jackson, you know, <laughs> the people that forced the five civilized tribes out of the uh, on, onto the Trail of Tears, you know, he just said, the hell with you people. I'm going to do right. it anyway. Right. And, so and- that doesn't give anybody... The, no. the chance to say that all lies matter because no. if they would have, they would have lived by their goal. They said, we don't want you here because you're going right. to bring COVID-19 right. here right. Right. and going to kill off some other people. We're, we're dying as it is because of your neglect. Right. Now you want to bring some other stuff on us. Right. And it's to me, it's ironic that he's he's had two rallies here as of late and the significance of where those rallies were held. And, you know, those of us who study history and are familiar with history, yes, he was the 4th of July. They didn't know the Dakota people. We don't want you here. The rally before that, he went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. 
And if you know anything about what happened in Tulsa back in the 1920s, Black Wall Street, 1921, Black Wall Street, where the white citizens basically burnt the town down to the ground because of a false hood that was told about a black man supposedly raping a white woman. The white citizens burnt this town to the ground. And where does the current occupant decide to have a rally at on the day of the anniversary of that massacre? He has it in Tulsa. And I think he does this on purpose because you can tell he doesn't care about anybody's, their culture, what what's important to them. Their lives and their their thoughts, their feelings don't matter whatsoever. He sure so he cares about this. those fucking Civil War statues. Right. And he, he does this stuff with a purpose. And the purpose is, I'm going to rub your nose in it. Right. And uh, and so, but but all lives matter. All lives matter, right? Well, you know, you know <laughs> when, when he went to Mount Rushmore, I mean, if he wanted to throw out an olive branch to the Lakota, he could have gone to the Crazy Horse Memorial that they're mm-hmm. building. That would have been a, a a place that you could have done something as well. Throw yeah. an olive branch out there. But no, right. he didn't do that. No. I mean, Crazy Horse and Mount Rushmore are only about nine or ten miles apart. Yeah, they're not that far. Not that far not apart. That far. And, yeah. and to be honest... The Crazy Horse Memorial is much more impressive than Mount Rushmore. I, I do believe that. I, it is it is amazing to look at that uh, sculpture. It's it's not done yet. Uh, we won't see just, it done. Yeah, well, I don't. Yeah, not in our lifetime. And <laughs> and and the Lakota people are, you know, like, hey, we take donations. If you go to the Crazy Horse Memorial, they'll ask for donations toward the completion of the work. And we when we went to um, to see it. We asked, it's like, hey, you know, how long is it going to take to get this done? Because when you just look at what they've done so far, that is hell of impressive, man. Yeah. What they've done so far. And they're like, yeah, we, we want to take donations. We want contributions from the people who come to visit the park. We do not want the government's money. <laughs> yeah. We don't want any funding from the government because if we take the funding, then the government will try to take it over. And we don't want that. Right. And so I like, yep, hell yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Once you accept federal funding, then they're going to try to take it over and your your identity will be lost because they'll take it over. You yep. Know? Yep. Yep. Look what we did. Yep. You Look know, what all, we did. all lives matter except when, oh, we want to help you out. Sure. Let's let's yep. throw in a bunch of money in here and we're going to take it over yep. and build it the way that we want to build it. Right. And leave the Lakota people out of it. That's right. That's, That's a right. common theme. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a common, common theme right there for sure. Uh, but all lives matter, right? Yep, so that's I'm, what they I'm say. Saying this to our classmate, all lives matter except for when the president of the United States in 1941-42 uh, decides that he's going to take American citizens and put them in internment slash concentration camps. Yep. So executive order 9066 was written by President Franklin Roosevelt in order to take Americans of Japanese descent and put them in concentration camps. Took their businesses. Guess what? All lives matters, except when you leave your business right there in California, we're going to take over. Yep. You have you have to pack your stuff and go to one of these designated places where you can spend the rest of your life because we think that you are going to be the enemy. Even though that you were born in Indianapolis, Indiana or San Francisco, uh, California or Mesa, Arizona, you're considered to be the enemy. Your lives matter, except when we think that you are not going to be a good American. Yeah, you're you're not loyal to the U.S. or you're yeah. not a patriot. You know, you're not American. You know, and it, that standard bullshit we hear now. You know, that oh, yeah. he's not American. They're not a patriot. They don't love this country. All that bullshit. Um, if if you get an opportunity, the uh, Tom Brokaw wrote a, wrote a book. It's called The Greatest Generation. Yeah. 
And in that book, a lot of the folks who were interred during World War II, I mean, some of the stories they tell, it's it's heart-wrenching, man. Like you say, they lost their businesses, um, you know, family members sometimes were separated. Um, it, it was sad, man, that this country did that to people who were loyal. A lot of those people served in the armed forces. Oh, yeah. Served in the armed forces of the United States. The 442nd uh, platoon or brigade was the most decorated military unit of World War II. And they were fighting for a country that had their parents in prison or in an internment camp or a concentration camp, however you want to call it. Internment concentration camp. It's the same damn thing. Right. They had guards with guns yep. pointed at their own American people and would not let them out. Yep. And talk just, about hypocrisy. Yeah. 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 Big time. Big time uh, hypocrisy. And, yeah. uh, you know, we again, the history is full of that kind of crap, man, full of that kind of crap to where this country has not lived up to its creed. And and a lot people are complaining, you know, uh, trying to paint Black Lives Matter as a they're they're a political organization trying to overthrow the government and all this crap. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. We all know that anybody with half a brain knows that, that they're not a, quote, political organization. They're not anarchist, all this type of stuff. But a lot of other organizations are joining Black Lives Matter. And if people would stop. Take a deep breath and look at the landscape. What people are saying is it is time for America to put to the test that the words and the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all these other documents that are the founding, um, you know, the the cornerstone of this country. Right. When are you truly going to live up to what you have put on paper? That's all people are asking for. That's all people are asking for. And, uh, you know, you've relayed several instances here where America has not lived up to its creed in the, you know, the cases you've highlighted that we've talked about. America hasn't lived up to the creed of its own documents. So the question is, when are we? Uh, That's a good question. (laughs) When are we? All, All lives matter except for when, Yep. you know, the government... Or the majority, or just say white folks, you know, not going to get anything out of it. Right. Okay. Right. You know, and we're, we're talking about, you know, the uh, Nisi, uh, the second generation Japanese Americans that were interned. Over 100,000 of them were interned. Yep. yep. And, you know, many of them, many of the young men went and fought for the country that kept their parents, you know, in, in, interned and so on. And so at the end of the war, when they came back, they came back to internment camps, their businesses, I've mentioned businesses earlier, those those Japanese Americans that own businesses, those businesses were taken up by the states. Yep. And they got nothing for that. And so um, I want to say 1980, 19, um, the the. There is a there is a uh, Japanese American by the name of Korematsu who sued yeah. for his independence back in the 1940s. 19, 1988. Well, there's there's two cases okay. actually, Wayne. The first one, 1942, is they sued the government to uh, about the internment. Now he he was caught trying to pretend to be Chinese when he was Japanese, and so they put him in an internment camp. So he sued for his independence, and the Supreme Court ruled that President Roosevelt was justified in sending Japanese Americans uh, to these internment camps. And so he lost that case, so they had to stay. And then later on, um, the Civil Rights uh, Act, I want to say one of the Civil Rights Act, they sued again in 1988, and they sued another Korematsu. It was the grandson of the one that sued in 1942, I think it is. And so they sued, and then under the Civil Rights Act, they were given, the survivors of the uh, internment, all the survivors, were given reparations. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it was like 
two billion dollars, maybe something like that. But it it ended up being like twenty thousand dollars for every uh, Japanese American that was turned interned at that time period. Twenty thousand dollars in nineteen eighty eight, and think about the businesses that they lost and the reputations that they lost and their homes that they lost because the government felt that they weren't American enough. Yep. Yep. You know, you know, you're not American enough. That's that's been an old standard for uh, people that are privileged. And yep. I think that's what the whole thing that we're talking about here is privilege. Yep. Many Americans have been privileged their entire life and don't even realize that they're privileged. You know, I, 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 I want to say that we were talking earlier about inheritance. And that is, you know, when you talk about African-Americans or slaves, when they came here, you know, they had nothing. You know, and so in today's world, in today's lives, you know, people that that work, they may have life insurance policies or they may buy a home and they leave that to their kids and so on. And so that's passed on from one family member to the other. Well, if you're a slave, if you have nothing, you can't give anything to anybody. So right. they never they're never able to have that that inheritance. And if they did have something, there was a way that since all lives matters, they took that land away from them or they took their jobs away from them. Or they took their lives away from them. Yeah. You know, so that's the hypocrisy that we, we want to we want to bring forward here. Yeah, yeah. You know, all lives matters except for when you've got something that we want. Right. <laughs> yep, you got it and we want it. And that's part of what's going on with gentrification in a lot of okay. our inner city neighborhoods. When white flight took took uh, place back in the, you know, the 60s and the 70s, uh, white folks moved out of a lot of the inner cities because black folks and brown people were moving in. They left. Now, fast forward, um, even Washington, D.C., Chocolate oh, City, yeah. is is being gentrified at a rapid pace, man. And it's all because now uh, people think, oh, we want that property now. You know, we, we didn't want to live beside you before, but, you know, we, we want it now. So you jack up the rent sky high. So that, you know, the people who live in the neighborhood and have lived there for years, live there after your behind left years ago, they stayed. But now the prices are being jacked up sky high to where these people can't afford to live there anymore. Right. So, you know, but all lives matter. All lives matter. And, and the thing with jacking up the prices, Wayne, is the fact that we're talking about ownership. Yes. When you rent, you don't own. Right. Who owned the property? Right. Who owned the property prior to them? That's what I just that's what we just I just talked about there, you know. People have inheritance, they can pass a building down from one person to right. the next. Right. And they can charge people the charge people rent. Right. And and probably they didn't give a damn about those people living there. And no. then suddenly someone goes, Hey man, we can live closer to downtown and we can take this dilapidated old house over here. We can spend a hundred thousand dollars and make it better and then suddenly we charge six hundred thousand dollars for that house yep yep you you people are in the way you people are in the way yeah and it's happening to every major city in america that people are moving back to downtown yeah you know when we when we first moved to indianapolis wayne there was we used to call it there was a nickname used to call it india no place because downtown, there was nothing downtown in 1984 when we first moved here. Wow. You, you had the you had the state office building, you had the, you know, the state house and so on, but there was hardly any businesses down there because, you know, it had been run down. And then suddenly, I mean, IUPUI, which is the University of Indiana, Indiana and Purdue at Indianapolis. It was just one building when we first moved here and I started taking graduate classes and there were black family homes that are now part of the parking lot. Wow. And so they slowly but surely 
took all of those areas and moved black folks up. Yep. You know, yep. Lockerbie Square, there's a place where, you know, you know, Oscar Robinson, everybody knows Oscar Robinson, right? Yep. And so he lived on this west side of Indianapolis, right downtown. And that area, they had old apartments. They were the projects, literally. Okay. And then as they began to dilapidate, 1984, 1985, they started moving black folks out. White folks start moving in. And then, of course, all those properties started to go up. They moved all those people out of those houses. They started building more buildings at IUPUI. And so there's nothing down there now. Everybody's moving back downtown because that's where the property values are. And in in a situation in which uh, poor people have no um, equity, they can't stay. Nope. It's all about it's all about dollars. King Cotton was about dollars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we um occasionally, well, it's been a while, but I think it's maybe last year, there was a historic neighborhood in Denver it's called Five Points. And back in the day it was the hub of the black community in Denver. I mean, and when we first moved here, um, one of the one of the ladies who did her daughter's hair, she turned us on to a lot of places and said, Yeah, go up to five points. So we go up there, man. They had fantastic bookstore, music stores. I mean, you name it was in this. This five was where five different streets meet cafes. That it was awesome. Fast forward, man. We went up there last year. We didn't recognize the place. I mean, yoga studios and I mean, foo foo type crap, man, that like, <laughs> what the hell? I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, yep, it's changed. It's changed. And um, they used to have a huge jazz festival in Five Points. And we we went up one year and the guy, we were talking to this guy, we were under a tree listening to the music. And the guy said, man, it's, it's not it's not what it used to be. He said, the neighborhood has changed. And you can always tell, man, there, there are certain things that just aren't in our neighborhoods. You know, and a yoga yeah. studio is not one of them no. for the most part, you know. And uh, we talked to this gentleman the last time we were up there. We talked to this gentleman. He owned a barbershop in Five Points, and he was in his barbershop, and we stopped in and talked to him. He said, I have no intention of leaving. They're not going to move me out of here. As I said, he said, I own this building. I've been here. I ain't going nowhere. And and that's what helps uh, in a lot of cases. Like you said, ownership. That yep. That's what helps us you know, stay in a lot of these places where this is this is where we live. I mean, we we. We were born in these a lot of these neighborhoods, and it's like you're making it impossible for us to stay. So it's happening all over the country. I saw it in Seattle when we were up there. the The primary black part of Seattle it's dwindling, and you you have a few businesses that are around uh, that people were fortunate enough to buy those uh, locations, but it's few and far between. And the neighborhood looks nothing like the people that live there that they remember. They're like, this is crazy. It looks nothing like what we remember now. So, yeah, yeah. but all lives matter. All, all lives, lives matter. matter. Hey, how about college? How about college students? Do all college students matter? I would think they do. Um, and that's yeah. that's the latest attempt here by the current occupant and his henchmen that uh, due to COVID, a lot of schools in the fall they're deciding as to whether or not they're going to have students come to campus. Are they going to have a mixed type environment of online, in person? Or are they going to do strictly online? So Homeland Security is saying that, well, you know, if the college doesn't have in-person school and everything's online, guess what? You got to go home because your student visa doesn't allow you to stay here to take online courses. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? <laughs> You're a student. You're a student. You came over here as a student. So whether the school is in person, you're still a student, but it's another attempt by this current administration to get rid of people who do not look like them. That's what this is all about. And uh, they aren't taking in this kids consideration that a lot of these kids, man, that are over here as students, they haven't been back to their home country. And who knows when? Right. You know, who knows when? And a lot of them are in 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 uh, fields 
that are doctors or, or lawyers yes. and, and yes. so on that can contribute to the American society. Right, right. But they don't see that. But All they see is that these students don't look like them. And so that we got to get it. Here's our chance to get them out of here, you know, and which is bullshit. And um, so a lot of these foreign students, man, they pay tuition up front. You know, they pay tuition up front and sometimes it's for the full four years. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what businessman would say, hey, if you're going to give me if I'm renting a property, you're going to give me four years or whatever. The Yeah, I'll take that. Day. You can stay here as long as you yeah. want. Give me but, that four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. But but not not these people who are currently uh, the current occupant and, and the people who work for him. All they see is here's our opportunity to get rid of these people. So all lives matter, except uh, in this case. In this case, I, I bet if these students were from Scandinavia or somewhere where he said, yeah, we will take all the Scandinavian people who want to come into the country when his when he was trying to to start his immigration thing. The caravan was coming and all this crap, right, right. you know, so I, I bet if the if the roles are reversed and a lot of these students were from Scandinavia or whatnot, I mean, hell yeah, you can stay here. You're welcome yep. to stay. Yeah. Unless you're unless you're lucky. Yeah. You know, unless you're very lucky. Yes. So. Um. Yeah, I mean that's that's where we are. All lives matter except for when, right? You know, right. there's yeah. something that they're not getting out. But and I think that's right. the biggest thing is that people are upset with Black Lives Matter because they can't be a part of, or there's nothing they can get out of it. Right. Right. And again, that that's when people resort to painting it. Oh, they're they're going to overthrow the government, okay, and right. they're anarchists, and they don't love this country. They want to destroy our our ideals and our way of life. And it's like some of these people, you just want to punch them in the face, man. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you you're you're not as educated as you put on to be. If you can't rationalize as to you know, people are saying, look, enough is enough. You know, we have been. Not just black folks, but a lot of brown and black people, a lot of Asian folks. You know, people have been catching hell in this country who don't look like the majority. Yeah. And it's been going on for a long, long time. And I think oh, people are saying yeah. enough is enough. That's yeah. what this is about. And all we're saying is, look, the system needs to be fair for everybody. And when, when certain people get certain privileges that you're not getting, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And that's all people are saying. Make it fair across the board. Right. Live up to your creed. That's it. Live yep. up to your creed. Yep, that's it. That's it. That's for sure. That's for sure. So, I mean, this is going to go on, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, when we get to the uh, fall elections, uh, we can have a major uh, upset uh, change in uh, the government and maybe we can get somebody in there that is is willing to really look at all all lies black lives matters all lies literally period and they can work with and make this country better as you said live up to the creed you know because right now that creed is is not not doing anything for this nation we have a we have the current occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue that's not doing a damn thing for this country. He doesn't even know. I, I bet you he couldn't even spell United States of America uh, <laughs> because he's he's just all he wants to do is to deceive people. And there are people that are falling right behind him in lockstep with him. Yep. You know, and it doesn't matter. He's going to do whatever he can in order to get reelection. Lie, cheat, steal, you know, get his cronies out of prison. It doesn't matter because he wants to distract people. You know, he's he's good at that, distracting folks. And uh, hopefully we can get people that will uh, vote his behind out. As you said, <clears throat> On, on January the 20th, pack your stuff up and get out. That's right. <laughs> get, get gone. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's it's appalling, man. It just It's appalling what we're dealing with. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Got something in my throat there. What we're dealing with and what we're seeing, 
and what happened Friday night? I mean, you you I mean, you tell me some black or Hispanic person, you you got you got you getting ready to go to jail for 40 months, but don't worry, man. I'm gonna hook you up, man. I'm I'm gonna get you out. I mean, that don't happen, man. No, that does not happen for the common citizen. And so every day it's thrown in our face, corruption, all kind of illegal crap that this guy is allowed to get away get away with, and no one's calling him on it except maybe Mitt Romney has the courage to call out what is what it is, and it's like this is ridiculous, man. Yeah. So uh, we always come back to this theme, and that is people need to vote. People need to vote. If, if you want things to change for the better and you want everybody, every life in this country should matter. And if you want that, that we, we need to get rid of these people who don't seem to care about no one but themselves. Their life matters. Their life matters. Yeah. But everybody else, y'all can go to hell. And, uh, you know, get good luck. So we got to vote. People have to vote this fall. And if we want to make, excuse me, if we want to make change and to where everyone live lives, all lives really matter, then that's what we got to do, man, because we're in a bad place right now. Bad place. Yeah. 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 Where where was all lives matters in 1619? Yeah. <laughs> through through 1968 or 1974. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I mean, this has been a spirited conversation. I know we're at the top of the hour. Yeah. We could go on and on and on with this. And there's going to be plenty of examples uh, in the future because I'm sure the current occupant is going to do something that's going to um, rise up the ira or the hate within his followers. And um, we'll have to deal with it. You know, the only yep. thing that we yep. can do is to point it out, keep making it real. And hopefully we'll, we can get uh, people that will be able to um, help us heal from this this evil that we've got going on yeah, yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. In, in, in the government now. It is. You know, America is, <clears throat> is, is splitting apart differently as it did is different from did it when it did in the 1960s yep. you know the the war was responsible for a lot of the upheaval then today it is just what's splitting us apart is fairness yep that's it man i don't mind that, that sums it up quite well fairness absolutely yeah. absolutely fairness across the board man that's 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 what people are in the street for right and it took a guy getting killed, you know, on camera, you know, getting killed uh, with a guy having his knee on on this guy's neck to to spur like, OK, enough is enough. And so, you know, to use that a metaphor, this this country has had its knee on a lot of people's necks for years and years and years. And, and people are like, we're rising up. So let's hope the momentum continues. And uh, we do see real change here come um, November the 4th. I think uh, November the 4th is going to be a great day in this country if we manage to oust uh, the current occupant from the White House. You know, Wayne, the the (laughs) thing that scares me is from November the 4th until January the 20th, if he is removed, if he is voted out. Because well, there's no telling what his crazy ass is going to do yeah. in, in that time period from November the 4th. It, it's not going to be November the 4th before this election is oh, going to no. be finished. Because yeah. if states and this virus has people to do uh, absentee balloting, it's going to take a few days. Yeah, yeah. It's going to take a yeah. few days. But and, anyway, the time that they make that decision that this is election is over, if he is out of there from... November until January, we've got a six, eight week time period, time frame in there that there's no telling what this crazy guy is going to do. Well, they need to watch him and they need to, they need, now they, y'all need to exercise oversight. Y'all need <laughs> to exercise oversight. Yeah, right. And, and make sure, like, you know, we ain't having no shenanigans up in here. You know, it's like, uh, you lost, it's time to clear the court. Okay. This is back in the park. Hey, you lost. <laughs> That's right. You got, you got to get off the court now. Got, right. to have, 
got five more coming on. You got to clear the court. Sit and your so, behind okay. down. That's right. Sit down. You're done. You may you're be done. done for the rest of the day. Yeah, you're done. You're done. <laughs> Unless somebody else picks you up, you know, but you're done. And uh, but I, I, I think there is some good stuff awaiting if he does not get reelected. There's going to be a few people wanting to see him the day he walks out of the White House. <laughs> so and I, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. So. So, yes, great discussion tonight. Uh, good, good uh, dialogue. Again, we welcome input. Uh, we're an equal opportunity podcast. We can dish it out as well as take it. So if you got comments, let us know. We're here. Let us know. Hit us up. What's up? Sounds good, my friend. All right. Well, all right, my brother. Well, I'm Steve. And I am Wayne, and this has been the Across the Tracks podcast. And until next week, arrivederci. Chiliamo dopo, sarà